You are listening to the Quest for Wholeness podcast, a biopsychosocial spiritual guide. If you're interested in the human experience, health, wholeness, and how everything is interconnected, then you are in the right place. In this show, we will explore the interconnected realms of health that lead to whole human beings. My name is Lexi Burtz, and I'm passionate about holistic well-being, longevity, and I'm armed with an education in psychology. I'm so grateful to have you here with me. Welcome to a Quest for Wholeness podcast. Coming up on a Quest for Wholeness podcast. The problem with antibiotics, though, is that it kills off all the bacteria, good and bad. Right. So if you've been on any antibiotics, there is a possibility of you having SIBO come because you now you don't you know you're you've killed off all of these you know the microbiome and what we need to be doing is building that back up Dr. Patricia May has personally been on quite the health adventure she battled relentless pain unshakable fatigue and health puzzles that seemed straight out of a mystery novel those struggles propelled her to become a chiropractor transitioning her practice into a holistic, integrative, and functional medicine practice. Navigating her own health journey through migraines, digestive mysteries, and hormonal roller coasters led her to create Natural Wellness Healthcare. It's not just a practice. It's a place where she blends her years of medical expertise with the wonders of holistic remedies and sprinkles in some mindfulness magic. Dr. May collaborates with individuals delving beyond symptom relief to unearth the underlying causes of their health issues. Through close collaboration, she tailors personalized health programs that address their unique needs. Together, Dr. May and her clients embark on a transformative journey towards optimal health, paving the way for lasting well-being and a healthy, fulfilling life. Through Amplify You, the podcast network I work for, I get to meet so many wonderful people doing such fascinating work. Dr. May popped into one of our group networking calls to learn more about podcasting for your business. As soon as I heard her talking about the work she does with her patients, I knew I needed to bring her on the show. Luckily, she agreed. And we got to record a conversation on both of our favorite topics, gut health. So how does this topic relate to holistic health? Well, gut health is a hot topic these days in the health and wellness world, for a good reason. Our gut is known as the second brain. There's also a direct relationship between the brain and our gut through this nerve called the vagus nerve. Additionally, a large part of our serotonin is created in the gut. Serotonin is a brain neurotransmitter related to memory, happiness, and sexual behavior, to name a few. Current research suggests that low levels of serotonin are responsible, in some cases, for depression and anxiety disorders. So it affects everything. Here we go with Dr. Patricia May. You were just sharing with me that the the biggest thing that you would like people to take away is the fact that they have conscious choice and tuning into that that choice and agency that we all have to make better decisions so on our topic of gut health how can people start to make better decisions about their gut health and why does that even matter 
Well, conscious decisions. So, you know, make, having choices is a, is a big thing and a big factor. I mean, you know, when we were children, we uh, we were fed. We, we didn't have the choice of foods that we could choose. And, you know, as we grew up, our tastes are were developed from those foods that we were being fed. Hence, now as, you know, teenagers and adults, uh, our taste buds and our choices kind of go align, align with each other. But when we look at it from the health perspective, you know, what was what was the choices that, that your parents were giving you and not even giving you, but they were giving you in terms of just feeding you um, that you didn't have a choice? You know, were they sugary cereals? Were they, you know, pancakes and such? And, you know, where did you get a lot of good vegetables and things? And where that's where it makes a big difference because in um, what we have put in our bodies is how it feeds our cellular level, which gives us our energy, our thinking, our, you know, even our mental health because of the way that the gut breaks it down. The microbiome has, you know, it's, it's kind of like a metropolis there. Each, each little microbe has their own little job and, you know, you need to feed those to, for them to do the job correctly. So I feel like gut health generally is a kind of um, hot button popular term right now, which is really exciting because um, healing at that level can provide so many benefits. But for listeners who may not even know about what the gut is or the gut microbiome or how that really works and connects with our brain, could you give us a quick rundown of the basics Sure. Uh, so the, the gut microbiome, the, the microbiome is you know, all of the, the, the good bacteria and bugs that live in the gut, as well as we have them on our skin and in our nose and in our respiratory. I mean, they, they just they're symbiotic. They live with, together with each other because we, you know, we feed them and they feed us. So these little microbiome or microbiota, they have their each one, each species has their own little job to do. Some of them break down, you know, proteins and give us the amino acids, which are the building blocks for all of our cellular growth. Um, some of them break down into uh, estrogen or, you know, our neurotransmitters, serotonin, which goes to the brain and, you know, calm, it calms us. It They break down to, um, you know, give us are, you know, we need fiber for the short chain fatty acids so that we can have a healthy gut and so that it, it is absorbed within, into our cellular levels. And it creates the ATP, which is, the, you know, the micro uh, microbiome helps the ATP because it feeds the energy cells. So that means that the cell itself is going to be healthy, give us the energy um, clear thinking. It, it, there's so much to it. And then there's also, uh, it's called the second brain. The gut is the second brain. There is a highway that goes from the brain to the uh, gut and vice versa. It's kind of a two-way street. And that is carried through on this, one of the cranial nerves. And that's through the vagus nerve. So there's a lot 
going on there. And I feel like what before I started learning about the gut and its connection to the brain and all that good stuff, I thought of it just as a place where food goes, but that's truly underestimating <laughs> what Very. is happening in the gut and all these specific um, benefits, never mind at the cellular level in our, in our physiology and having the energy and, and the nutrients being provided, but more too, to our brain, as you mentioned, through that vagus nerve, the gut-brain axis, that's influencing directly our mental well-being. It certainly is. Uh, you know, a lot of the mood disorders, you know, are being cleared up with clearing up and you know your your gut health. Um, your gut health is so important, and and there's a lot when you say gut health. There's there's a lot of moving aspects to that. Because you've got the lining of the gut. You've got mm -hmm. the microbiota that are living in there. Um, you know, the whole thing about the lining of it, if you don't have a healthy lining, then you get what they call leaky gut. It's a, a permeability issue. And our gut is one cell lining thick. And so when these cellular, on the cellular level, when they start splitting apart, because the cells are, you know, lined up with each other. And when they start those... Um, bonds or when they start breaking apart then you start getting the the substances that it, that we don't want to get into our bloodstream that we actually poop out into the toilet start coming into the bloodstream as soon as the it hits the bloodstream you know the your immune system kicks in and says hey you're not supposed to be here and so now you get an autoimmunity problem going so it, it causes havoc in many areas because if it does become an autoimmune problem, which is if the inflammation keeps going for at least three months, then now whatever your weakest genetic link is, is going to kick in. So it could be. So you mentioned leaky gut there too. So you mentioned that's when that one cell layer thick of our, our um, gut lining is is permeable, right? Things are coming out from our bloodstream in, sorry, out of our gut into the bloodstream, things that we don't want to be uh, moving that way. But what are the causes of leaky gut? Like what would influence our gut lining to change like that? Well, the thing, the things that are going to aggravate it are things that are like alcohol is one, gluten is another, um, dairy, you know, any the things that are hyper uh, or not even hyper, but allergenics, you know, when you get anything that's an allergy um, and, you know, that can be an, on a very individual basis. That's why personal functional medicine in, is very personalized, because you have to look at it from each individual, because, you know, my body must, you know, might love broccoli, but you may hate, you know, the body may say, hey, this isn't good for me. I, I'm going to send out a, an allergic reaction. So in that aspect, you know, finding out what is good for you and what isn't good for you in terms of is this going to cause a breakdown um, in, in an, an inflammation? Because it's all about inflammation. Everything in, that we get in our body that it's not good for us starts out as an inflammation and then turns into a big problem. 
That's right, which you mentioned that inflammation, chronic inflammation over three months is what then may lead to autoimmunity issues. Um, what what are a few autoimmune issues that could come up for someone if they have a damaged gut lining? Yeah, so autoimmune diseases, you know, it can even um, diabetes uh, can be an autoimmune problem. Uh, you've got arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, you've got lupus, you know, there's a lot of different major problems out there that can be, you know, helped with increase, you know, increasing the the health of the gut. And, and it's amazing, you know, when the results that you can get from just healing the gut and all of the things that come, you know, start peeling away, as we call it, peeling the onion back. So that's interesting because I can think of an example where somebody may be having an allergic reaction and they aren't aware exactly what's causing that. Let's use the example of hives. Somebody's experiencing hives and they go to an allergist and they do all this allergy testing, but nothing comes back. So that would be a good, clear example that maybe there was something going on at the gut level rather than a specific allergic reaction to a substance. Is that correct? That's correct. Because there is, there's two things that are going on. There's, there's an allergy, which is a, um, you know, a, a basically an uh, IgE reaction. The immune system sees it and it reacts to it, you know, so that's an allergy. And you usually see that happening within like the first hour, two to three hours, but then you have a sensitivity and a sensitivity can you want, might not show up for two to three days later. So there is a difference between an allergy and sensitivity. But in terms of the way that you react to it, it's in your the way you feel, I should say, the way that you feel about it, you know, you're feeling sick from it because you're having a reaction isn't, you know, it's it's not that far off. Hives, that is a, a definitely an allergenic reaction. So a sensitivity could be, oh, my nose is running, my eyes are watering. Um, hey, I'm, I've got, you know, my loose, my stools are loose. You know, those can all be signs of a sensitivity. And I'm sure we could probably throw uh, like bloating into oh. that category as well. Yes, yes. And, you know, bloating is a big one, though, because, uh, <laughs> you know, we were talking about SIBO earlier. Uh, SIBO is not a, a sensitivity. That is basically an overgrowth. Um, it is the bacteria that starts migrating up into the small bowel shouldn't be there. And then it's fermenting in, in all of um, its waste products are hydrogen or methane. And that is gas. So now you start feeling bloated and having gas. Right. So SIBO is this whole other category. And for the listeners, uh, so that's uh, small intestine bacterial overgrowth, right? Small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Right. So this is this is this is a big one. Um, how? I guess who is there a specific specific demographic? that SIBO is showing up in or like how how does that bacteria migrate from where it's meant to be in the gut microbiome to the small intestine? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. 
<clears throat> well, the big thing that they found research-wise is that if you've ever had a um, a food poisoning, that's a big precursor to it. Um, most people that have small bowel um, SIBO have had a history of of uh, a food poisoning, and so what happens is that the the bacteria starts overgrowing. Um, and it starts migrating up into the small bowel. Now, the small bowel is not supposed to have a lot of the back, the bacteria. The small bowel is basically where most of all of our our nutrition, you know, that's where we're getting our nutrition from. It's breaking down and going through that those channels that we were talking about before that uh, are the nutrients, the minerals, the vitamins, all of the amino acids, all of those things. So it's supposed to be pretty clean there. But when they start migrating up and start taking over the small bowel, that's when it's, you know, it starts causing all of these problems. So, you know, a bad diet causes it too. Mm. Because you start getting an overgrowth of this bacteria that really is not in balance with the rest of it. It starts taking over, you know, the good bacteria. And then they start migrating up into the small bowel. So we got history of food poisoning, a bad diet generally. Um, I've also read myself that um, people who have had any um, surgeries are also at an increased risk for SIBO. Sure, because you're introducing bacteria through the, the gut. Uh, you know, also just, you know, Think about um, your levels of hydrochloric acid in your stomach. You know, when we eat, we want to have good amount of hydrochloric acid in our stomach so that it helps kill off any bacteria that's going into our digestive system. So if you're taking any type of proton pump inhibitors, which decrease acid because the doctor said, oh, you've got heartburn here, take this, this Prilosec or whatever, and it it brings your acid level down. Well, now you're not breaking down. First of all, you're not breaking down your proteins very well. But, you know, the big thing is, is that it's not killing off any bacteria. That it, I mean, all of our food's got bacteria on it. And so it's not killing it off. And now that's being, you know, going through the, the stomach into the small bowel. And on that note, too, <clears throat> would this include... so? Let's say, for example, somebody is experiencing these symptoms of SIBO and on their own, they're like, oh, stomachache, bloating. So I know a lot of people will go take Tums, right, <laughs> to help their stomach feel better. But so this acts the same way in reducing the amount of hydrochloric acid in our stomach. Is that correct? That is correct. And that is the worst thing that you actually could do for it. You know, um, when we have heartburn, the reason why we're having it is because we don't have enough acid in our stomach. That's a big one. And people don't get that because they think, well, wait, that's come, that's burning my esophagus. I don't want that in my esophagus. You know, the thing about it is that where the stomach and the, and the esophagus meet, there's this little muscle and it's called a sphincter. And it opens up so that you can the food goes in and then it closed down. And what closes it down is the amount of acid in the stomach. Mm. 
because it senses, oh, there's acid. Let's close this down so that it doesn't come up. So you need to keep a higher, you know, an appropriate level of acid in your stomach to keep that muscle tight so that you're not getting the acid coming up into the esophagus. Because yes, when it comes into the esophagus, the esophagus, the lining is not like the stomach. The stomach is really beef up. It, it can take that acid, but the esophagus, it can't, those cells cannot. So it, it burns, it kills them. That's so fascinating, right? Because our first reaction is to reduce it. But that's like, that's, that's like you said, the worst thing that, that we can actually do for it. And I feel like that's kind of like the societal norm or perhaps just here in North America too, is to go use like an antacid of some sort. It is. And it's, you know, it's been promoted by, you know, the Western medicine. And the thing that is intriguing if you look up um, any of these proton pump inhibitors like Prolisec, uh, it is only meant to be used for like a two-week two period of time. But yet I have clients that come to me that said, oh, I've been on this for 10 years. I've been, you know. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I can only imagine at that extent too, the damage that's occurred to the gut lining of not having enough acid in it to break down the food and just a whole myriad of issues that can result from that. Sure. Cause if you're not breaking down your proteins then you're not getting, I mean, you can get malabsorption, you know, and at this day and age, <laughs> you're not getting is the it, nutrients in, into your cells, which is absolutely crazy because we live in well i'm in canada you're in the u.s but in north america here we live in some of the richest countries in the world and to think that you could be deficient in nutrients blows my mind to be honest i see it all the time with my clients malabsorption wow that's yeah that's a whole whole other space yeah so if we before we jump off of SIBO here too, I just want to go back to it. So what are some other symptoms other than the bloating that people might be experiencing with SIBO? Well, the big one is uh, diarrhea, um, but you can have constipation or you can have both. It's, you know, a mixed, you know, IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome. It's caused from that overgrowth. So you can get both, uh, I have diarrhea and then I'm constipated and it goes back and forth. Those, those are the big ones. And if someone's noting that they have this, um, you know, maybe they've even, be, even been calling it IBS because I feel like that's like a little bit more accepted and yeah, addressed by medical professionals. But what, what are the next steps that somebody could take to help, um, address that issue is it seeing their family physician or or what what does that look like <laughs> well they can you know i'm 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 not against people going to their family physician i think you know we all need you know western medicine but it depends on who your primary care is you know what is their outlook you know wh how open are they to holistic type medicine you know in wellness uh it, so looking for a functional medicine doctor or a holistic in, you know, integrative physician, I think is probably a better place to go because in that aspect, 
you can use, instead of giving you drugs to try to cover up what's going on, you want to fix it. You want to get to the root of what's the cause of this. So by doing that, you want to balance out the, the bacteria in your gut. So you need to kill off the bad bacteria. And you do that in my practice. I do it through herbs. Awesome. Interesting. Yeah, because that's the thing, right? Like, I feel like that's the uh, normal approach when you see a traditional physician is medication. And we know everyone's got scripts to fill, but that might not actually be what's going to help heal you. No. And the thing is, is that, you know, antibiotics have their place. You know, the problem with antibiotics, though, is that it kills off all the bacteria, good and bad. Right. So if you've been on any antibiotics, there is a possibility of you having SIBO come because you now you don't, you know, you're, you've killed off all of these, you know, the microbiome. And what we need to be doing is building that back up. So in SIBO, getting back to, you know, okay, I use herbs that, that go after the, um, the bad bacteria, the viruses and the parasites kill those off and then you're building it and and while you're building it you're also you know feeding them you've got to feed them which means the probiotics it's the soil that they live in they've got to have a healthy soil it's like okay if i plant this seed in my garden i need to make nurture my soil and make sure that the, you know it's got all, all the amendments in it that that it needs for this and then and then water it so that it grows so that's an important factor you got to Get the, the lining healthy. We've got to plant those those good bacteria back in and then build it up. Totally. So just switching gears a little bit here. We talked a little bit about how dietary choices and like a bad diet in general can impact our physical health um, and our energy levels and mental clarity. So how do we begin to uncover what foods might be impacting us negatively and robbing us of, of our energy? That's a great question because, you know, first of all, even before you start there, I, you know, I want to get back to the, um, the choices and, and the choices are you've got to have the right mindset to find that answer. And the correct mindset is I want to be my, the, the, pioneer of my own health. I want to be the driver of this. And so in order to do that, I have to understand that there are changes that I have to make with these. And so that's different choices from what I'm making right now. So to change all of that and make these different choices, getting that positive mindset that, you know, we're, we're looking at where I want to be in uh, four months, six months, a year, 10 years, 20 years, you know, that means that I have to, to change the way that I look at my food. So getting back to what your question is, is that you have the best way, or I should say the way that I have found is to do elimination diet. And, and that is taking off, taking uh, you out of all of the inflammatory foods. So you, you go on an anti-inflammatory diet. And you eat that way for about a month, 30 days minimum. So it takes all the inflammatory foods out. 
Now all of that inflammation's gone, tapped down. And then what you do is you start reintroducing foods and you keep a diary. The best way to do it is keep a diary. You add a food in one at a time. And remember, we talked about the difference between the um, sensitivity rather than the, you know, allergy. So the allergy, again, you know, if you're allergic to it, it's going to happen within a few hours of eating it. But a sensitivity, again, you have to wait about two days before you start adding another thing in because you want to keep a diary and see, is this food, am I sensitive to this food? And if I am, then that's probably something that I need to not eat for right now until I can really get healed completely. Because we haven't done any healing at this point. This is all just, you know, getting the inflammatory things back out of the way. Um, then, uh, you know, you do that, just keep adding things back in until you find that, okay, this is a good diet for me. So it's kind of, kind of some A-B testing in your own diet and how yeah. your body responds. Exactly. Um, on the, uh, yeah, just the fact with the sensitivity waiting a few days, I think that's not something a lot of us are tuned into is the fact that something we've eaten two or three days prior may still be impacting us. And I think for me, that was a pretty pivotal moment of even just realizing that the foods that I'm putting in my body are affecting my mental well-being so significantly and for a, 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 a quite a duration as well. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, people come in with, you know, had brain fog. Mm, that's a big one. That's that a is big a big one. one. And that's inflammation. So you, know, you get people that are the anxiety. Now, anxiety is a dysbiosis, a dysbiosis, meaning that there's an imbalance in the microbiota. That's an interesting way to look at anxiety. So a, a dis, um, sorry, could you say that again? Dysbiosis. There's a dysbiosis in our gut microbiota. So an right. imbalance of Correct. good and bad bacteria. Yes. Producing the psychological effects of anxiety. Yeah, because remember that um, serotonin, you know, it it in is you know there's serotonin and tryptophan and all of these things that you know those feel good um, dopamine, all of those feel good neurotransmitters. Well, ninety eighty to ninety percent of the serotonin is produced in the gut, along with other neurotransmitters, and there's a thing called the enteric system, and that is the nervous system of the the gut that communicates through the vagus nerve with with the brain. When you position anxiety, depression, these very common plaguing mental health issues in our societies from the position of the gut microbiome, to me, that's really empowering. Yeah, it is. And that's where I was saying you have to have the right mindset to go into this. And that is one of the things that I work with people, the first thing, because if you don't have the right mindset, then you're not going to stay with this. You're not going to be able to, to you know, stay on this path for very long because we fall into old habits. So mindset, goals, and habits. So by taking the challenge of I'm going to be my own, you know, healer is having to get all of these things in alignment. 
So personally, I've been through an elimination diet. It is challenging, challenging yes. work. I also know that um, low FODMAP, that's um, a diet for SIBO, you know, IBS, the catch-all term for gut issues, um, which is also a very challenging diet to follow. So if someone's ready to do this, they're ready to take conscious action, agency in their own healing, and they're going to do these things, is that where they land? I know you mentioned integrating some foods back in and seeing how they affect you over time, but how long does somebody need to do this? Because even for the most dedicated person, this is a big challenge. It is a big challenge. And that's where, um, you know, it, it's important to have community because you want to have, you need help. It is difficult to do this completely on your own. And that's why, with, I mean, with my clients, I see them on a weekly basis because I basically hold their hand and bring them through this because the challenges are immense. Like you said, it is difficult. And during the healing process, sometimes you, you actually feel worse than when you, you know, to get better. Yeah. <laughs> yep. and, and so, you know, when you get to that, oh, my God, holy crap, I don't I, I don't even want to get out of bed or I'm, you know, I feel like a truck hit me. That's when you need the support. That's when somebody comes in and says, you know, like myself, you know, come in and say, hey, this is what's happening to you. This is what we need to do right now to get you through this. Because there are things I mean, when you're when you're that die off phase, when you're killing off the bad bacteria and, and yeah. The hexamire effect, it feels like you just got run over by a truck or, but there are things that you can supplement with, you know, like activated charcoal or, you know, you want some binders to be able to mop up all of that dead debris so that your body's not having to, to try to clean it up on its own. So there are ways of getting around that and not having that happen. All of these little things that creep up that you may not know that, oh my, I'm having a response to this. I love that you mentioned community too. And obviously you're, um, you're a support for your clients too, but even having somebody in your household or a friend to be like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I need support because in that elimination diet phase, you're really restricting the types of foods that you're eating to get the inflammation down. And as we know, food is such a connecting thing, right? It's a social um, tool for us and provides us social nourishment by breaking bread, which is an issue because bread has gluten, but we can get to that. So even, even if you don't have a, you know, um, physician or educated person like yourself, bringing in people in your life to let them know what you're doing can be so impactful to help you reach reach your goals. Most definitely. I mean, that's part of the holistic approach to health. You know, the mindset. Just like this podcast, the, the biopsychosocial spiritual. There you go. I love it because, I mean, it is. I mean, community is so important. And the spiritual part we haven't even talked about. That is very important. There, you have to have some kind of a belief system. I, you know, I don't care what it is, but there should, I mean, you got to have some kind of belief system because it is part of that whole mindset. Anyway, the community part of it, you're totally right. You want to be surround yourself with people that are going to help support you. You know, I mean, if you are 
a young person or even, I mean, even older people, they may, that going out, oh, let's go out for drinks. It's happy hour. Okay. When you're, you know, when you're in this mindset of, I want to be healthy and, uh, you know, when I'm 80 years old, I still want to be able to be a, go out and run around with my grandkids and not be in a wheelchair. That's the kind of mindset I'm talking about, you know, the long term, then you need to reassess, you know, is this, this choice, this conscious choice I need to make, is this a good place for me to be with these people? I love them, but are they going to support me? If I go out with you at happy hour and I sit there and I drink my water, are you going to laugh at me or make fun of me? Or are you going to support me and embrace me? Yes. Yes. Yes to all of that. And moving into things that can negatively affect our, you know, gut health and gut well-being, as you mentioned before, was alcohol being a huge one, which again, in our society is so common that everyone's drinking. That's what we do. We go out for drinks, right? So alcohol is one. You mentioned gluten. And I would love to hear you talk about specific food dyes, uh, for example, like red dye 40, if you can share any effects um, that those things have on our physical and mental clarity. Well, all of those things, I mean, when you talk about anything that's made chemically, I mean, that that's going to have an effect on the microbiome. You know, it's going to kill off the good bacteria. So, and, you know, any prepackaged foods, anything that's, you know, not a whole food is, is, is been broken down and a lot of the nutrients have been taken out of it. And they've usually, and they usually add, and they have additives in it. And the additives are, you know, they are, um, they, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, they have an effect on on the lining of the gut lining for as well as the the microbiome because it 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 irritates the lining, mm -hmm. which can cause the leaky gut. Because remember, we don't want that those things to leak into the bloodstream. So all of those things are irritating, uh, as well as detrimental to the microbiome. I totally just slammed in like five questions there to ask you all at once because I'm so excited. But so specifically, let's talk about gluten because I feel like there's some people who have been gluten-free for decades and now it's a much bigger community of people who <clears throat> are are going gluten-free. I myself, I'm probably like 90% gluten-free in my diet because it's, it's challenging. It's, you really have to be aware. Um, and I've noticed significant benefits for my own physical and mental health. So what is it specifically about gluten that's irritating our, our gut? Yeah. Well, you know, you can have, again, we can go back to, you know, you can have a, an, a, an allergy to it. You, ha you may have a genetic snip that, you know, says that, you know, I, I am, totally cannot handle that. And you can find that out through testing. So that would uh, be like celiac disease? Well, celiac is definitely a, a genetic 
uh, link to, to to gluten. And that's it's not even a sensitivity. It is a, a you know you cannot have gluten allergy, right? Yeah, it's it's an allergy. And but when people say, oh well, I can eat gluten, I don't have a problem. Well, some people can. And some people can't. But the thing is, is that are you totally aware? Are you not having a sensitivity to it? You know, and and that's where, you know, testing, you can test, do a a stool sampling to see if you do have that sensitivity. Uh, What it does is it it breaks the lining down, Mm. opens those tight junctions so that you start getting leaky gut. And it, um, you know, getting back to alcohol, though, you know, one of the things that the whole thing about gluten and alcohol, and I never tell anybody, never have this, because that is their choice. You know, and what I do do is that by putting on, on the elimination diet, when they start bringing things back into their diet, they immediately come to me and go, oh my God, I had such and such and I'm not going to ever have that again because I now understand how my body reacts to it. So that's where you you kind of come up with your own choice. Do I want to have alcohol? And if you drink alcohol and it's like, oh my God, I don't think I ever want to do alcohol again, then that's you. you've learned something about yourself. Some people can have a little bit and be okay with it. But the thing is, is that it's still affecting the gut. And so what you need to do is to think about, if I'm going to make the choice that I'm going to go out have a drink, then you need to come back and do all of the things that you need to do to help rebuild what you just broke down. I love the theme that we're kind of weaving into this conversation is that conscious choice, because I think the more informed you can be, knowing what you don't know, the better positioned you are to make conscious choices. So, hey, I actually am going to have pizza tonight. And you know what? I have to be mindful because I might suffer for this tomorrow. So then what do I need to do? Conscious actions to support myself in getting back to my baseline. It's all about conscious choice. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. I also tied in food dye, red food dye 40 specifically. And there's a lot of research coming out that this type food dye can have negative effects um, on our mental well-being. So I'm wondering if there's anything you can share about food dye with us. Well, the biggest thing is, you know, don't have them. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's nothing any, nothing great about, there's nothing good about them. You know, again, putting something that's chemical into your body is going to affect the brain because it's going to affect the gut. And again, we go back to that whole two-way highway that goes from the gut to the brain. So you're killing off some of the good bacteria, which is decreasing your neurotransmitters, and you're not, you know, getting all of the 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 good nutrients and and neurotransmitters that you know chemical the good chemicals for your brain to work with so it can you know change your mood your thinking i'll uh, link up some articles that i've read some academic articles for listeners to uh, check out if they'd like because there's some really crazy research out there specifically with kids uh on the autism spectrum autism. or 
ADHD, removing these food dyes and they're seeing their symptoms, children who are nonverbal speaking again, like it's really profound. It is. It, I mean, it's amazing what the gut can do. I mean, just again, you know, I've talked about that earlier in terms of those those issues. I didn't mention them specifically because, you know, people kind of go away, you know, charlatan. <laughs> but yes, but but the mental health issues, yes, attention deficits, the the autism scale. I mean, those are all part of that neurotransmitters. That all starts in the gut and that whole two-way highway. So I, I do kind of like, you know, don't want to be too controversial. Of course, of course, <laughs> of course. But you know, something so, that I do want to bring up that we haven't talked about and that's sugar. Oh, yes. That's a major one. A I major mean, it, A major inflammatory? No, no. Oh, so inflammatory. So just, just you know... There's things that are they're called free radicals. You know, the it's part of the whole way that the body breaks things down into the methylation system, and you know, so that means that uh, you have these atoms that have. So think about it as a, a like a parking lot, and you've got the cars that are running around and they're looking for spaces, and you know, the car is full, and so it's looking for a parking space, and so. With the free radicals, it if the car is not completely full and it's looking for passengers, it'll have the door open looking for a parking space. And so these these free radicals can you know can you know be attracted, uh, or I should say that cancer can be attracted to these free radicals and attached to it. And that um, sugar is a it, the cancer cells love sugar. So we're feeding cancer cells to get into our cells. You know, okay, attach here and now let's run around and, you know, multiply. Um, so it, it, it's it's inflammatory. So now we got inflammation going on. Um, so many different things that this that sugar is just a no-no. I mean doing some articles on sugar, it might be a good one too. I, I think yes. that sugar is probably the number one stay away from sugar. And that's interesting, right? Because if you're attracting and feeding those cancer cells, which we all have in our body, yes. um, and then we're creating an inflammatory environment, which is going to impact our immune system from not operating the way it needs to, then we're really vulnerable to illness, disease, whatever may have you, that's going to damage your physical health, in turn your mental health, and your ability to even operate in the world. Exactly. I mean, and also, I mean, just think about how many people are diabetic, and especially in the United States. And Ooh, I think um, at, yeah, this is a all, whole other podcast episode yes. that perhaps we could have you back for. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's crazy because, yeah, you know, here in the United States, we advertise, you turn the TV on and it's all about sugar. That's right. You know, all of the major manufacturers, uh, when you look at the labels, and this is one of the big things that I also teach people, you know, read, learn to read labels. Okay, so another episode on diabetes and reading the labels, <laughs> if I got that clear. Yes. 
Look so for sugar know, and bad oils. Yes. Oh, and yes, seed oils. Okay, there's seed another oil. one we could add. Um, <laughs> so as we wrap up, what is a piece of wisdom that you can provide our listeners as they embark on their quest for wholeness? Well, the big one is look look at your, you know where you want to be in your life. You know, do you want to be the driver of your health? And if you do, then you have to understand that those are the the conscious choices you you, know, you you need to make. You need to make the choice to be conscious about what you're eating and what your environment is. Because we didn't even talk about this another episode. Talk about the environment that you're in. You know, what kind of lotions? What kind of you know soaps are you using? What kind of detergents are you using? Cleaning products. You know, all of these things affect the gut microbiome also. Looking at even how we sit down to eat our food as a conscious choice. You know, I teach my clients how to eat properly because we don't just start, our digestion doesn't just start with putting the food in our mouth. It starts with we're smelling it, we're looking at it, we're, you know, so um, chewing your food, putting your fork down, chew your food so that your body has a chance to digest it and your brain has the time to go, okay, that's enough. You know, but I've got a half a plate of food, but I'm full. You know, there are so many different things that we, we can do in a very, you know, easy manner in terms of not having to, you know, really pay a lot of money for somebody to help me do this, but, you know, to just go through these steps. So making that choice and learning about what it means to be healthy. Make those conscious choices. Thank you for joining me on this adventure today. If you're interested in learning more about holistic health or have topics that you'd like to hear on the show, connect with me over on Instagram at quest for wholeness podcast. That's all one word quest for wholeness podcast. I'll see you next time to continue our shared quest for wholeness.